Hi guys, welcome to part two to hear our voices of Cynthia's story. Before we get into the, this part of the podcast, I definitely want you to guys to check out our social media accounts. Everything will be in the link tree down below our YouTube, our Instagram, our Facebook, and our TikTok. We put up things there all the time. We're very current on our things. We actually hired a new fellow. You'll be hearing her interview in season four. So check, wait for that. Check it out, you know, when it comes up. Guys, help us share and get bigger on this platform. We really want to get the word out there. We put out a lot of valuable information. And we also want, it'll be nice to get here that make lawmakers, people in policies who usually are so detached from people, to hear our stories and hear how we would like change and what it is for the little guy out here in America. We want so much change to happen and I feel like it feels that most times people are not listening to our voices. So we want this platform to be able to elevate elevate the people's voices and hopefully can make change. Rome was not be made in a day, <laughs> so we know it's not gonna be just an overnight thing. But we hope that this can really help people understand the things people have to go through when they are homeless and when they have low income or they have all the things going on, all the challenges. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn, because this is some juicy stuff here. Um, I hope you learn stuff from what we talk about. We just don't talk about our stories and things like that. We talk about other issues and things like that also. So sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself. Bye. When I, the first time my family, it was my ex-husband, my two older children, and myself. Um, when we moved back to New York from North Carolina, we at first, we stayed with family. We stayed with some of my family. We stayed with some of his family. Everybody kicked us out because he wouldn't mm. get up and work. Oh. Even so, his own family. His own so family kicked why us out. Why didn't you leave him? Or you just wanted to be with him? I know the manipulation no, tactic. listen, listen. Yeah. It was not even that. It was a matter of conditioning. Got it. First of all, remember, coercive control from the age of 18. Okay? Um, Coming from an abused background, being completely vulnerable in that way and only wanting someone to love me, mm. believing that I had no self-worth, uh, I had no identity, um, and I did not feel lovable. So I was grateful right. for this man, quote-unquote, loving me. And I don't mean, right? yeah. And I didn't come from a solid household. My parents separated when I was five. Um, so I wanted to create that thing that I used okay. to watch on right. 60s and 70s television. Mm. Leave yeah. it to Beaver the Waltons. And, you know, and any of you who are too young to know what that is firsthand, go ahead and Google it. I'll give you a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I wanted to create that nuclear family for mm. myself. Right. I know you. I, I try to do that now. And I'm like, man, it, it, it's a hard thing. When you don't you grow up what? in a household that you want to grow up in, and it's like mm -hmm. you feel like you're missing out, and you try to do it as an adult, and it still don't work out. It don't like, work out, right? What am I doing? You, but you see, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the pathology is or, or why it follows us. But my one of my, my, my oldest, my son, he's almost 40 years old. No children, no marriage. He's not having it. That's oh, how that's how toxic the household was when he was a child. Oh, so he doesn't want to repeat the same thing that he saw. No. And so him. for him, the best way to I not mean. repeat it, I believe, 
is for him to not to do it. Shut it off. Wow. Okay. Um, he was 12 years old when we were in shelter. Mm. Um, when he got out of the Marine Corps, um, in his uh late late early 30s. I'm I'm not even sure exactly. I know he was in the Marine Corps for eight years. So yeah, so he was at the end of his twenties. Um Probably. And there came a time where he had to go into the shelter as a veteran, <laughs> right? He was mortified and angry all over again when he realized that the HA number that they gave him, any of you who've been in shelter, you know, you know oh, that that's the it's ID the same number that they child, gave So now it's like a social yes. security number. It, it so he you to <laughs> the same HA number from family shelter to veteran shelter as a grown man. So the idea to him that this horrible episode in his family's life has followed him well into his adulthood, I think brought on a whole new sense of shame. Right. The mistake that I made, and I say I because sociopaths are not totally responsible for their behavior and i believe my husband was is a sociopath so anyway right. um the mistake that i made number one was not making sure that i was healthy mentally to be able to to parent my children and and take care of my family right okay emotionally second of all i stayed too long right okay third of all i got i should have got my children therapy at the very least my son right because he was 12 my daughter at the time she's six years younger she was six so right. she doesn't even remember it okay oh. but he does and he remembers getting on the school bus to be taken to the school with the other shelter kids oh wow and the school bus arriving at school and all of the kids in the school knowing that these were the shelter kids. Okay. Wow. He's almost 40 now. Right. We can't talk about that. Oh, wow. Because I didn't get him help for it when I should have. And it's just really by the grace of God and, and his fortitude as a human being that he's not on drugs. He's never been to jail, you know, um, and he leads an upstanding life. He's just chosen to do it solitarily because of the trauma from his childhood. So I say this to all you parents out there, when you're experiencing homelessness with your children, make sure that you get them professional help. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the things that they will see in the shelter, the things that they will feel, the family dynamic two children, a boy and a girl, six years apart, having to share the same room for over a year. Unnatural, right. uncomfortable, creates friction, which creates drama, which when all of these things go unchecked and untreated, what happens? We create more family dysfunction. Right. And it doesn't go away now because we've got our own place. Right. The dynamics that are created within that family unit 
Um, Sometimes, you know, it's never healthy. We may say, oh, well, it brought us closer together. But you know what? Individually, we all have our own trauma. And while we may have trauma bonded, because we're all in this together, are we healthy individuals so that we can live healthy lives beyond that trauma? And that the family dynamic is not just based on trauma bonding, but real love, affection, support, and understanding. That's true. I have a question. Mm -hmm. so you said even his family would not have you stay with them after a while. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they take you on? Because to me, like you said, you blame yourself for not doing this for your child. But at this point, you, your first child died at 18. So you said, mom at 18 first. So mm -hmm. you started this very young. People's brains don't develop until 25. So I give you some leeway. People might not want to give you who's listening, but I'm going to give you leeway. It don't matter what they think. It's better, <laughs> like, I'm talking to you, yeah. right? Yeah. You're a child at this point. Technically adult, yeah. but you're being a very young adult. Being groomed. No, I was a teenager being groomed by a man who was almost 30 years old. Exactly. Okay. So his frontal lobe is already is developed. He's using yes. the stuff that he got in his brain to manipulate. And he spent young four person. years in the army. So don't tell me right. he didn't know what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He definitely okay. did. But as, to me, if the family knew he has a problem, because apparently they don't want him in his house, why would they not take you aside and say, girl, I can help you. I could tell you where to go. I don't they did. They did? They did. Just they did. Wow. But you see, remember, you're dealing with a coercively controlled, inexperienced, broken little girl with mental health issues who feels she has no one in the world that loves her but him. Okay? No, and I understand. I thought his family was just watching. Yeah. <laughs> just not doing anything. It's like, no, that happens. No, like, they'll they, see you they, get something happens. And just they, they, they got involved just a little bit, got okay? Uh, one, My cousin Sharon pulled me to the side, and she was like, girl, why you let him talk to you? Like, And this was his cousin, right. his blood cousin, my cousin by marriage. Why you let him talk to you like that? You you know, you need to you need to do something. Mm -hmm. And I was this, this timid little person who, you know, just wanted to be loved and wanted to keep my family together. Believing that if I loved my family enough, it would all work itself out. Well, good intentions without information, education, and understanding mm -hmm. come to naught, as they say. Right. You can have all the good intentions in the world, but if you don't have the education, the training, and the understanding to put forth your good intentions in the proper way, all you're doing is pedaling backwards. That's true. And that's what I did till I was about 33, 34 years old. And finally, the physical abuse got to be too much. And I had to have him removed from my home by court order. And wanna, yeah, continue. Mm -hmm, go ahead. I want to say anybody who's listening and I want no matter if it's a man or woman, because people don't think that men get abused and they get abused all the time. Just like women. It's just they do. I want you to know you are worthy. You are amazing. Take mm -hmm. you and your crap and all your kids and beat it. This person is not worth it. I don't care what they have over you. They got a, a tape out there with just the outdoor sex mm -hmm. or whatever y'all doing. It is not worth it. Your your mental health is not worth it. The children seeing that 
it's not worth it. Because at the end of the day, when they see mommy and daddy getting treated like this, they're going to either become the person who's abusing you or become you. And what do you want your, what you see your child that you have, your baby, be treated mm -hmm. the way you're being treated? Most people I know will say no. So don't make it be okay that they just see their mom or dad be treated this way. Right. You're too important. Right. You're too amazing. Don't do it to yourself. And I know it's hard because I've never honestly been in a DV situation, so I can say whatever. But I'm telling you, I, I know people who've been through it. And I'm like, and the people I've seen, I'm like, you're an amazing person. Why would you take up with this? But I know it's a mind thing. It's a mind control. And I know people who had, mm -hmm. they had their good jobs. And the person, <laughs> you are amazing. You are worth it. They will take your life and take your children's life and then take their life and not care about anything else. Exactly. Don't make it get to that point. Trust and believe. People have lost their lives because of these crazy people just doing what they want to do and thinking they're better than anybody else. And just and then some people tell sometimes people don't see it happening from the outside, but you know it's happening. Get your evidence, leave that place. Mm -hmm. There's many organizations. I'm gonna put organizations down below for you. Well. My, my mm -hmm. person who helps me out yeah. with the podcast. Okay. I'll put it down below for you. But please get the help that you need. Get therapy for you and your family because it's not going to be an every once a day thing. It's going to be, and I know it's going to take years. For most people, it takes years to get out of it. That means you have years to unpack the therapy. Please do it for you and your kids' sake. I promise you, you'll be better. You're not going to be amazing. Sometimes you'll have your down days. You know, when you have trauma, some every day is not 100%. But at least you'll be out of the, the heckmanness. Please. Yes. Do it. And, and also, a word of caution, because we know statistically that the most dangerous time for any person in a in a, a DV situation is when they try to leave. Right. Or when they do leave. So make sure that you have your support system resurrected as best you i mean if you're running for your life we'll worry about that later right right sure. but if you're able to get up and walk away know that that is the time that you have to protect yourself and your children the most right okay we live in a time where nobody should be able to say oh well i didn't know because right. Google is there for everybody, even right. even electronophobe me. I know how to Google something if I really need to know, right? Exactly. The, the organizations are there. The funding is there. The support system is there. Mm -hmm. Plan your work and work your plan. Mm -hmm. And be safe. Yes. Okay. Let people know what's going on. Silence only gets you killed. It's true. Nobody ever died from shame. Just the emotion itself. Right. Right? So, oh, I failed this and that. I felt all of that for a long time because this nuclear family had been my dream since I was three, four years old. Right. Right. And I'm in my 30s and I failed miserably because because I picked the wrong person. But why did I pick the wrong person? I picked the wrong person because I was not self-aware. Why was I not self-aware? I was not self-aware because, number one, things like this were not talked about. So there was very little education for me to educate myself with right. and coming from a conspiracy of silence, which is our whole culture, 
<laughs> you know, was I free to talk about this? No. And then I don't have a mother figure, um, you know, so who was I going to talk to? Right. Right? Um, because of the shame. Luckily, I didn't lose my life. Luckily, he was just that side of a coward. Right. Because, you, know? <laughs> you know, you put your hands on a little girl, you're a coward anyhow. You know, right. when you when you can't win a conversation or an argument, you go, you get physical because your ego's bruised because, yeah, I'm smarter than you. Yeah. And what? You know, um, but there, there's just so many things that are available to anyone who is, is struggling with these things. There are the, the now you have the, the video therapy and mm -hmm. you don't even have to go into a doctor's telehealth, office. Telehealth, yeah. Yeah, telehealth, everything. Everybody from Medicaid to Blue Cross Blue Shield covers it. Right. So there's no reason to not get help. Um, and one of the things, uh, too, when, when talking about children in shelter, um, it's very important that while anyone is in the shelter system with their children, that they get proper medical care. Okay? Mm -hmm. Be very mindful of your children's diet. Okay? Um, a lot of health problems uh, have been proven to... To be directly correlated to living in shelter. That's true. Okay. Diabetes. I was going to say that. They're, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, that's, that's the main one, you know, obesity, because let's face it. If we lived in a shelter where they provide meals, the food is not healthy and they know mm -hmm. this and that's why they up your food stamps mm -hmm. so that you can supplement. Okay. Um, be very careful of that as well, because sometimes when we get these health problems as children, they're, they're impossible to reverse, you know? So the mental health, the physical health, very important to, to, to monitor and be proactive about. Don't right. sit around waiting for anybody to bring information to you or tell you about this or tell you about that. It's right there at your fingertips. Be proactive, ask questions, ask fellow residents, well, where do you take your kids for checkups or where's the, the, low, the free clinic or whatever it is, you know, use your mouth and create resources for yourself by getting information. I want to say too, if your person was undocumented, you might say this stuff doesn't relate to me. They have health insurances that we can get also for you and your kid. Because, you know, if you don't know, New York City right now have a high migrant um, intake. So they might think, you know, we can't get this. We can't get that. But no. if you're a person who obviously most of them can't speak English. But if you're a person who's watching this and knows somebody or knows somebody who knows somebody who's in the shelter, who's a migrant, mm -hmm. they are eligible for health insurance. That's something they can get, whether you are documented or not. They are yes. giving these things out. They made it a law that they people can get it. People think that it's going to affect some immigration stuff. I, like the guy told me who does the insurance, he said he's not too sure about that, but he's like how that's gonna affect everything. But most of the time, stuff like food stamps and stuff might affect it. Usually, you can't get that. But the health, because yeah. they want you to be healthy, um, that usually doesn't affect that part of the, the what you're doing through going through. If you're a asylum seeker, if you're undocumented, you can get it for your for yourself and for your children. Please do not neglect these things. 
you might not be the the top of the natural choice. The point is that you can get the you always get the yeah. the sugar is good. Yeah, like yeah. these things. The, exactly. the basis what starts with everything else. We get all the other organs working. Those you can get for sure because the 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 sugar, the anemia that mm -hmm. goes on, I'm for lack of vitamins, anemia. lack of proper nutrients. You know, yeah. um, the the compromised immune systems. Yeah. Um, from being around so many different people all the time. Um, and also, I, I do want to say to those uh, who think that the um, influx of immigrants is lessening your chances of getting housing or prolonging your chances of getting housing or health care or employment or anything, they have not come to take anything away from us, and they're not. Everything that's being afforded to them is in a different funding stream. So it's not taking away from those of us who were born here, been here, been in the system, however you want to put it. Right. They are not taking anything away from us. In fact, they're coming here with skills, with education, some of them with money. They will be feeding this system and putting back those ladies that you see with their kids on the highway median selling flowers and oranges. They didn't come here to be to to be uh, dependent on the government. They came here to be independent. So don't blame them. It's not their fault. Somebody put them on a bus and said, you got to go. You know, because um, they're running from it as Tough as we think life is in America, imagine having your babies on your back running through jungles right. to escape cartels and political, you know, upheaval and all of that stuff. We've right. never been through that. We're we're fortunate. We right. might be down and out in this moment and be in shelter or whatever, but we ain't had it as hard as those people. You know? So I like to, you know, say the same kind of kind of compassion that we would like afforded to us as people who are going through a hard time let's reciprocate that and 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 pass it forward and give it to the next person you know um so i retired uh from shelter monitoring it was a very physical job it, it comprised of the entire city dhs shelter system families included families with children included and doing the annual and biannual Callahan inspections. Um, the Callahan inspections are those inspections um, where we, the Coalition for the Homeless, the court appointed monitors of the city shelter system come through and make sure that the baseline of care is being afforded to all residents. But this is, means walking up and down multiple flights of stairs, traveling from borough to borough, every day on public transportation. Um, I blew out both my knees. Oh, um, no. got, yeah, I had double knee replacement. I've oh, got sciatica and a few other things and I'm 60 years old. So it was time to hang it up. But now the things that I'm trying to do are passion projects, things like this, like, like this podcast. Um, I'm a part of the uh, NYU Speakers Bureau, which is doing a special project um, regarding, oh, yeah, I regarding I, was, I also were trying to go to that. I didn't get accepted though, but it's all right. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm happy. Homelessness and the aged. Um, 
And because I'm in that senior category now, um, even though I was a little bit younger when I was in shelter um, the last time, um, I was still an older person. And with my personal experience of being in the shelter and witnessing what people went through then, as well as the many years of shelter monitoring, um, I, I've seen some really horrific things in the shelter system. And, and it pains me to say that as imperfect as the system is, it's actually the best system in the country. That's the sad thing about it. That, that, that yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yes, it is. So, so and true. if this if this mayor um has his way and gets rid of the right to shelter, uh overturns that decree, um, what they're gonna start doing is they're gonna start kicking everybody out of the shelter. Right. Okay. Because that's what the right to shelter ensures that if you need a bed, they will get a bed for you by hook or by crook, by law, they must provide you with a bed. If that right to shelter is overturned, the city will no longer be obligated to give a bed to whomever asks for it. So that could be my little sister, that could be your cousin, that could be your BFF running from the abusive husband. Right. You know, that could be people whose houses just burned down because of an electrical short or a flood or, or whatever the case may be, they will then have the right to tell hardworking New Yorkers who Tax born pain. and bred, <laughs> guess what? Either you paying for it or you out. Right. Okay. And it's going to create a whole new unfortunate dynamic. We will revert back to medieval times. I don't know if you're familiar with the Bedford Atlantic area in Brooklyn, but the Bedford Atlantic men's, men's shelter used to be in, in the 90s. Uh, it was a particularly scary place. Mm -hmm. um, before that, before the right to shelter in uh, the early 80s, yeah. um, you did not walk by that shelter at night if you lived in that neighborhood because the stairs... It's an old armory, so it has those stone steps going up to it, about eight or ten steps. That whole staircase would be full of men sleeping. Oh, wow. Okay. Every bus... What, do you know why there's no hardly any ben, uh, benches at bus stops? Because they don't want homeless maybe? people sleeping in them. Yeah. Okay. They've taken it where you can't go to the emergency room and sleep at night if you're homeless, which was something that I used to do. Oh, wow. I'd go and get a sandwich and sit in the waiting room and watch TV and fall asleep and nobody would bother me. You're not allowed mm. to do that anymore. If you're not a patient, you got to go. Oh, wow. Right? So you think, in, in and I say all that to say this, if the right to shelter is overturned, where do where do all those people go? who came knocking on the door for assistance, where will they go? Mr. Callahan, who was the the named plaintiff in the class action Callahan versus Carey lawsuit that got us the right to shelter, that right. man didn't even live to see the law passed and to get wow. his shelter bed. 
Okay. So there's things that we have to be aware of. And politically right now, the right to shelter is one of the most important things because if we as New Yorkers lose that right to shelter, then you will not know should you fall on hard times or someone you care for falls on hard times, if there will be a place to go because the shelter system will have the right to refuse them. They will have the right to make you go back to your abusive boyfriend. That's crazy. Okay. I never thought of it that way because right mm -hmm. now, honestly, to get in shelter right now is hard because they, they love to turn people away in general. So if it's going to make it even harder, that's going to be a problem. It's going to know, make it, yeah. mm -hmm. it's gonna make it harder situation. and impossible. Yeah. And impossible. Okay. That's weird. Mother with six kids and they don't have an obligation to provide that mother and six kids with a roof right. temporarily, where are they going to go? Because we I'm already free. know that the shelter system is no respecter of persons. They're they not. don't care what your health <laughs> situation is. They don't okay. care what your education is. They right. don't care. You know, they don't care. They don't. Because if they cared, people would not die in the system because of lack of medication or because they're still able to use uh, intravenous drugs laying right there in the shelter bed. Right. That's I'm not crazy. saying that all the people in the shelter system don't care, but in my pretty vast experience, most of them are just there for a paycheck. A good percentage are just yeah. there for a paycheck or they're burnt out. Yeah. Or they've never been trained properly to begin with, or they've not been prepared for the trauma of working in an environment where every person that you meet is broken or damaged in some way. Right. Okay. Crazy. It's overwhelming. When all you do all day is talk to people who have problems you get desensitized and you know there's an old saying the best psychiatrists have the best psychiatrists right in other words one of the things that kept me monitoring my mental health was the fact that I was confronted every day with stories about people's lives that were heart-wrenching and, and as an advocate, when you work closely with individuals who have been traumatized and you have to hear this over and over and over again, and you have to be professional about it, you can't, you know, you can't sit there and cry with them. So what do you do? You bottle all this stuff in. And if you don't get yourself taken care of, then you have to shut down, desensitize, and you're no longer empathetic, sympathetic, or compassionate to the people that you're trying to serve. So yeah. you do the bare minimum. And one thing that they don't do in the shelter system is wellness and welfare checks on their employees. I was thinking that same thing. That'd have been very helpful for people because they do shut down. After hearing that over and over again, it can mm -hmm. be exhausting. I never think about that for some reason. I know it happens, mm -hmm. but I just never think of that. Oh, hearing if you, if you hear, if you have a hundred people and they all got problems and then their kids got problems, after a while you just, 
I think about it, but I don't think about it as much. But they do probably need to do a welfare check. People need to go to therapy at least mm -hmm. once, twice a month to, you know, to unload. upload it. Just upload mm -hmm. it. <laughs> unload. <laughs> Talk about and, it. Make sense of their emotions. And it shouldn't you know? be extra either on the person. It should be that the job no. runs this thing because it's no. a job casualty. That's what it Well, you be. see, if, if agencies, provi providers of uh, homelessness services, were up to standard with the required. Oh, that's the other thing with the Callahan consent decree. Let me just put this in here real quick. It governs staffing as well, not just shelter conditions, but also caseloads. How many case managers have to be on site per the size of the population, things like that. So it's very important in other ways as well. Okay. Um, but because of the fact that on site, there's supposed to be a director of social services at every location, right? And a DSS worth their salt knows about programs that can help people because they should be referring them out, right? So if you're doing that for the residents, you should have some type of employee safe space where they can talk about their feelings about the job. Right so that they can continue to do a good job if that's where they want to stay. So anybody who's a shelter resident, just remember that those people, they're human beings too, and they have their own problems that unfortunately they bring to the job every day and we have to forgive them and just go and try to find the next person who can help us instead of getting mad about it. I mean, if it's, <laughs> if it's egregious and there's something you think you can do about it, then get mad, but get mad in a productive way. That's true. Don't act out because if you act out, they're only going to turn it on you and blame you, you know, no matter what the videotape says. So. <laughs> so, guys, we have come again to the end. But as you see how we talk, it is more stories ahead. So sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself. Come next week with your popcorn, with your lemonade on the side to hear the rest of Cynthia's story. Again, if you want to be a part of the podcast, you can. Everything will be down below if you would like to be share your story or if you're a person who has resources. Follow us on all our social media accounts. Again, it will be in the link tree. And thank you for coming this week. And you know from this whole story, know that you're not alone. Know that you're worth it. And know that no matter what, there's resources that can help you get out of the problem. And I know it's easier said than done. But if you're a person with a child, do it for your kids. Do it for yourself, but do it for your kids because you want to be an example to your child. But if you're a person by yourself, know that you are worth it. And if you need somebody to talk to, even though I'm not a licensed therapist or nothing like that, you can definitely DM me all the time. If you want it to be especially me by myself, my information is in the link tree at the bottom, um, K did Davis. But if you put like DM me on the other platforms with Hear Our Voices, you're definitely going to get other people reading your stuff. So if you don't mind other people reading it and just put for K did. I'll read it and then I'll just tell them to just leave it alone and I'll take care of it. Okay. So, um, I thank you for listening. Thank you for being amazing. Thank you for being a part of our Hair Our Voices family. And I'll talk to you next time.